Craig Hoffman. The same guy as in 2002 when he's pouring milk under the learners thing at FedEx Field. The same guy. Siri, not right now. The Hoffman Show. How rude, Anthony. In the middle of a radio show. You settled down over there. Mid-rant. Gracious. On the Team 980 and the Odyssey app. Stoffman Show, we're on the Team 980. We're always live as well on the free Odyssey app, and we are streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. Joined now on Radio Row here in Indianapolis by Nick Bumgarner of The Athletic. Nick, how are you, sir? Welcome Very to the show. Good. Thanks, Rick. Thanks for having me. Uh, absolutely. So uh, you and everybody else seemingly uh, have Drake May going number two to yes. Washington all of a sudden. There was a big <laughs> like Jaden Daniels push. Uh, yes. We were certainly a part of it on our podcast and our radio show, and um, I still don't know if... like I. I still am a big Jaden Daniels, Daniels guy? guy, I feel like, but I'm, I'm also starting to realize why people yeah. are higher on May. Yeah. Why, so why is May the right guy for you for Washington? So I think there's less questions with, you know, it's the full package with him. He's a lot, he's, what I've sort of split this up as if you took the top four quarterbacks and you say Caleb and May are sort of in that top tier and then you go Daniels and McCarthy would be probably my next two. And I frankly okay. think for me, Daniels is probably closer to McCarthy than he is to May. And the reasons for that are, you know, May is a complete athlete. He's 6'4", 225, 230, whatever. He's super explosive. He's got, like, all the arm strength. He's Justin Herbert-level arm. Uh, all that stuff, right? And there's really no holes physically to his game at all. He's not afraid to throw the ball down the middle. Uh, he's been confident with that his whole career. Daniels, on the other hand, you know, there's... He's thin in the bottom. He's not the big, the big, you know, 225. He runs a lot. He runs into tra- he runs into traffic a lot. He drops his eyes a lot and doesn't like to, you know, throw on the run. Uh, he doesn't like to throw it on the middle as much. There's a lot to like about him. I'm, like I, whenever I say this, I feel like I'm dogging him, but I don't want right. to do that. But I do think that there's a big enough gap there, and I think May is pretty clearly ahead of Jaden in my mind. Anyway. So I also made a huge mistake uh, when I was watching these guys of watching like Jaden. This was pure accident. I don't right. watch college football like. Yeah. Right. And so I just picked some random games, and I think I picked Drake's worst game and Jaden's best That's game. So sometimes, yeah. first first impressions, and it's a reminder of how human the scouting process exactly, is and that yeah. you can just be a big dummy like just me. Just a and, random day, and you get the wrong... Yeah. yeah. It's like, yeah, let's watch Jaden against <laughs> Florida. See, wow, this guy's going to the <laughs> Hall of Fame. Yeah. Why isn't he above Caleb? He just runs around in circles. Uh-huh. Um, but I, I think I think the thing that I like about Jaden that I sometimes have real questions with with Drake, and as someone who's watched far more of them than me, right, right. Um, I, I'm curious... Like, your your take on this and, and what you see as you've watched more tape. There are times, and I don't know how else to put this, that it looks like Drake May forgets how to play quarterback. Yes, and you're just fair. like, mm-hmm. what are you doing, man? And I feel like there is, even when Jaden like drops his eyes and takes off, like there's a decisiveness about his game that I like mm-hmm. that is reminiscent to me of, of good NFL quarterbacking. Yeah. So how do you, like, is that something that I have I have found in select games, or is that consistent, and how do you square that those things? No, it's definitely consistent, and that's a thing. Like, you know, May's general processing, I think, still needs work. He's a younger player, right? Daniel's right. older. You know, that's the thing about Daniel's played so much football he's played he's a four-year starter in college but with may i think there's still a lot of that especially like you said when he's because he is an athlete he's a great athlete his brother was a basketball player his family's super athletic like he can get out of the pocket and make things happen but sometimes it'll get he'll like you said he'll freak out and black out or something and it's like just like his feet get now we're right or now we're running off plat you know we're now we're doing all this crazy stuff and we're doing kind of the yolo play right where it's like some of that needs to get pulled back a lot of it needs to get pulled back he needs more time on task but i just think the physical attributes that he has are all going to translate to the league like when you talk about translatable throws and if i mean he's got more of them him and caleb are 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 easily for me the top two because i mean 
there's no hesitation down the middle, and that's the thing in the NFL. You have to be confident enough to drive the ball between the numbers, and if you're not, you're going to get eaten alive, and you're not going to have a chance, really. So that's to me, those two are the best at that, and it starts to taper off a little bit after that. Nick Bumgarner from The Athletic, uh, one of their draft analysts with us here on The Hoffman Show. If I am Jaden Daniels and you're a GM mm-hmm. and you tell me that, like, hey, Jaden, here's this hole that I see in your game. Can yeah. you explain it to me? I go, I got neighbors here. Exactly. And I, and I got Brian Thomas that's Jr. What, on the yeah. other side. Why would I throw it down the middle? Those dudes well, are out there. So, I, like, hundred percent. Yeah. What, like, again, as a scout, like, how do you try to make sense of that? Because th- this is why it's such an art, not a science. Yeah. It's, it's so hard. The, you, I'm glad you mentioned the teammates because that comes into account. May did not. I mean, Devontae Walker came in later in the year. He didn't, you know, he didn't play the beginning of the year, but he, he did not play with the same level of talent. Uh, so he's throwing guys open more, whereas Jaden is throwing two wide open guys pretty consistently. That's part of it, like you said too. Those guys are open, uh, but when you really do splice the tape back, Daniels has some of the same problems that May has in terms of he'll get lost in a progression, or he will miss, you mm-hmm. know, somebody that's breaking open down deep. And that's the hard part about him is because he does throw maybe one of the best deep balls in the yeah, class. It great might deep be ball the ball. best, right? So I think he'll be fine. I think he's a good player. I think, but you know, when, when you hear the top five stuff, that's where I get a little nervous. I, I think down toward the bottom of the top 10 is more where I'd be comfortable with him. But you know, I mean, everybody needs a quarterback and it's like, we well, get yeah. here and that's why we said to people for six months, like JJ McCarthy is going to go in the first. I don't, I know you guys don't think he will, but like everyone needs a quarterback. You just, it's going to go, you know? So, so you also though hit on something with McCarthy that mm-hmm. I, that one of my missions here this week is to kind of suss this out, which is like, what's the gap between the top three and the next one. And for yeah, you, you, you drew the line actually at four that if you're going to include yep. Daniels, you're including McCarthy because to me that then gets into the, the viability of a trade back if you're Washington. Correct. If you don't love May right. as, as two yes. or you don't love Daniels and you think you can get McCarthy at seven or eight, then like, okay, Atlanta, come on up if right. you like one of those guys. Um, risky, but it is. What, why is why is McCarthy rising? Why why do all of a sudden NFL teams like him? And you're from Ann Arbor, by the right, way. So yeah, you've, so you've seen a yes. ton of him. And he's the hardest one to scout. He's the most polarizing guy in the entire class quarterback wise because he just there's so few we just talked about Daniels there's a lot of translatable throws in that offense May same thing Williams same thing Michigan plays a game and there might be three for JJ in an entire game and so you really do like I was talking to Nate Tice about this the other day you have to go back to every Nate, who will be on the show Thursday single, or Friday there you go great guy he's the best every single throw that he makes right for his entire career and sort of suss it all out and say like Okay, well, he's, he, when he's asked to make these like high-level throws, he makes them. It's just that they don't ask it of him because right. they played in a different offense and everything else. I think the athleticism that he brings, you know, he's a guy who runs to throw. When we say we get out of the pocket, he's looking to throw. He's not looking to run. Um, eyes are always up. Loves to throw the ball down the middle. Loves to take chances. Is very aggressive. He's a bit weird, like in some ways. Like he's a little, you know, the meditate. I think weird's maybe the wrong word, but I think he'll. He's a, he's a unique it'll character. Take, yes, it'll take yeah. the right coaching staff and the right people to be around him because there are some differences with him there. But the talent, and he's 20, he just turned 21. Um, I think he should throw here this week. I, I would if I were him. Yeah. I think he'll test well. And he'll need a minute. Like, that's the thing. I would like to see him go somewhere where he can sit for a second or take a breath. But in time, I think he's going to be just fine. Yeah, no, he's he's the most interesting prospect of the Absolutely, week to me. Yeah. Uh, another thing that I've been kind of wondering, like, does he need to weigh in at two fifteen this week? Yeah, that's the other that's the other thing. I think that you're looking for him to be a little stronger. You were looking for that his entire career, right? Like they ran him some at Michigan, but I think they were very careful about that because they did at the end of the year last year, Nane got hurt, 
And it's like, he's a guy, the best part about that, though, is he's not a guy who looks to scramble. He's trying to get out and make a throw, but, you know, guys take hits. And, you know, that's he does need to get stronger. All right, so uh, Nick Bumgarner from The Athletic is with us here on The Hoffman Show. Are there any quarterbacks later in this draft that you're like, that dude's got a chance? Oh, yeah. I mean, that's the thing about, like, a team like Washington or New England. It's like, like you said, if you don't love Drake May or for whatever reason, if you don't love McCarthy or any of those guys, like, Bo Nix is a solid football player like I think he's a second round quarterback and when we say like what's a second round quarterback to me that means a guy who can start and win an NFL game does that mean that I think he's going to be you know a guy that can carry your franchise through the rookie deal no I don't know about that but I think he can start and win an NFL game like I'm not as high on Penix as some are but I mean like he's sort of in the same he's lower on that tier to me Michael Pratt the kid from Tulane is another one that's you know I think Spencer Rattler got a lot better over the last few years there's just so much arm talent this year as compared to in previous years that there's kind of something for everybody like if you need a guy right now you can make a move and go get that if you want to wait a second and like get a veteran in and a bridge and bridge a younger guy you can do that too in this draft so this is a this is the year to do it that's the biggest thing is next year is not going to be this good and we don't know when it'll be this deep again i I think there'll be like eight quarterbacks in the top 100 here's the really most important quarterback question of the week i hope you can tell my tone of voice this is about to be very sarcastic will joe milton break the hardest throw record I think it's like 62, I think, is what Allen threw. Uh, Yes. I actually covered him at Michigan. I remember, I think he could throw, when he was like still trying to figure it out, and you were like, I don't know if he's going to be a guy, and we still don't know. My whole thing was, he needs to get into a bullpen with a pitching coach, because I think that kid could throw like 97, 98 on a gun. Like, his arm is unbelievable. It's the best one I've seen live in the last 10 years, for sure. Like, he can... You don't always know where it's going, right? But like, you well, that's know. that's the thing with him is like, is he a good quarterback? It's probably can, not. Yeah. Certainly not in the NFL. But that if you need a hail mary yeah, at the man. end of a game, like uh, a ninety the, yard bomb, yeah, or like, let's, like that's no joke. Like seventy five, eighty yards is real. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm excited. <laughs> I that is like one of the things I I'm going to miss out on yeah. this year. The way I'm doing the combine <laughs> is I won't be here for the quarterback workouts, and I really just want to see Joe see him the workout. It, yeah. It's a very silly thing to want to do. But I've just heard so much about this kid's arm that I would like. Uh-huh. to see him work out. Um, I'm going to do a terrible thing to you right now. Do you have awesome. time to stick around for another segment? Sure. Or are yeah, you, uh, you busy? I'm good. I got All right. Let's, uh, so here's what we're going to do next with Nick Baumgartner from The Athletic. We are going to talk about everything but quarterback. Uh, if you are, and so this this is your uh, your thinking assignment for the next right. three minutes commercial break here. If you're Washington at 36, who's the one player that you reasonably want to see still on the board? Uh, Nick will give that answer and like more it. next here on The Hoffman Show. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app and streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980. Back at the NFL Scouting Combine with Nick Bumgardner from The Athletic. Uh, Nick, real quick, just going to let the audience know that Dan Quinn said basically nothing of consequence <laughs> at his <laughs> podium session because that's how those things work. Uh, he did. Right. He does apparently know exactly how many days it's been since he got fired from Atlanta. Oh, good. So That's interesting. Uh, and it's a funny number to see right now because it's 1, 2, 3, 4. It's 1,234 wow. days. Since he got, uh, wow, so he's, he's highly motivated. He, uh, is. he was also asked asked about uh, interviewing with Seattle this offseason, and his answer was, quote-unquote, I am where I'm supposed to be. So there hey, you man, go. He might be. You know, that was, people get in places in weird ways, but you never know. He yeah, might be. You I think it's know. a great fit. I think it's a He's great fit. He's got a lot of energy. I think that's a good thing. I think that's a uh, good after thing. the last four years, where exactly. we occasionally yeah. were like, can somebody get an AED for the head coach? Um, that that seems relevant. Right. Uh, he is about to do a, a local press scrum over over yonder here uh, in Indy. So uh, if anything comes out of that, we will obviously let you know. Uh, ESPN's Matt Miller coming up at 530. But I've now stalled long enough. It is time for... 
for you, sir, to All give right. an answer to the question that I posed to you before the break, which is this. If you are Washington and you have picks 36 and 40, let's just start right. with 36. Yeah. Who is the player that you are praying falls to you in that second round? We mentioned him off air. It's Darius Robinson from Mizzou is the 6'5", 290, 34, 35-inch arms, uh, can run, can jump. I mean, he can play four spots, right? Like, he's a guy that I don't think he's going to make it, but... That would be the guy for me because we just talked Chop Robinson and Darius Robinson are the two edges that I think maybe would be in that range, and Washington obviously needs that. I would prefer a guy like Darius because he's ready to go. Like, I think out of the box he can give you something right now. And they need a starter. Exactly, and they now. need it now. And whereas Chop Robinson, I think he's going to be one of the best athletes in the draft, but the consistency with pass rush and against the run is really all over the place. So that's the guy, number one. The other one would maybe be, like, Maybe if you can get a tackle to fall. Maybe if you can get, like, um, Big Kingsley from uh, BYU or Jordan Morgan or one of these guys. Because, I mean, they need a lot, right? Yeah. If you're Washington, right? So, I mean, like, I ideally. Think you, you could somehow get both tackles. Tack- like, that would yeah. be cool. I think if you could get an edge and a tackle at 36 and 40, you'd be ha- having a good day. Like, yeah. in, uh, in addition to a quarterback. Like, that's not bad. Yeah, I think that's the ideal for most Washington fans. And for good reason. I don't think the fan base is wrong there. That, no, that, that's that's a good If spot. you come out quarterback at two, tackle uh, slash edge at 36 yep. and the other one at 40, I think that's great. I also do think the fact that this is the most insane receiver cl- class we've ever and seen. And you have to look at it. Like, yeah. if, if your guys that you would love position positionally fall or don't fall and you wind up having to take a receiver yeah they they could use that too and that's the thing where if you're going to draft a guy like drake may or Jaden daniels or whomever it is a younger quarterback obviously you want that guy to be around as many like friendly targets as we say as possible and this class has a ton of them and they're all a a ton of them in the second round i mean lad mcconkey jalen pole malachi corley all these guys are quarterback's best friends you know they get open they catch the ball they're on time and for a young quarterback that is like the best thing you can possibly do so that's not a glaring need probably for them but like i wouldn't rule that out because the class is so good well that's the thing that i kind of can't figure out um with washington because they have been very nondescript on anything schematic um both joe witt and recent years yeah um but cliff is like yeah right cliff Cliff said at his press conference like don't call it air raid anymore like what i'm gonna run is is you know i wouldn't call it air raid now he's cliff kingsbury Mm -hmm. like he's gonna run some version of that right but if you are running even some cousin of the air raid like you're in 10 and 11 personnel a ton like you need a bunch of receivers and right now your third guy's diami brown no that's not enough and so (laughs) i i think that whether you know one of the things that we've talked about a ton is like do you go a big X receiver and slide Terry over to the Z and then put Jahan in the slot, or do you go for the slot route and keep those two guys on yeah, the outside? I think you try to find another Jahan Dotson, and you just try to find another one like that and then yeah. just let those three guys just be like, put their arms around your young quarterback and let them, because that's the thing, the your receivers in the NFL can make up for so many problems with a quarterback that don't happen in college, right? C.J. Stroud, great example. Like His receivers this year helped him. He played great, obviously, himself, but like they helped him a ton. And I think if you got a young quarterback back and you can get friendly faces around there that are going to be dependable like it just does so much for them right out of the shoot nick Baumgartner from the athletic their draft analyst with us here on the hoffman show speaking of friendly targets uh tight end position yes what round like if you're washington and you're again building this dream right. draft like where are you trying to target a tight end because that is also a dire position of need for them that's another one where i would say maybe even like you know jt sanders is the uh, kid from texas who's probably tight end too i think he's probably a second round pick and 40 is not early that early for him i would look at that there um you know you're still the tight end class is better than i think i originally thought it was going to be you've got you know theo johnson's kid from penn state who i think is third round ish pick kate stover from ohio state's in that same group there's a couple other guys maybe on the fringe there but like 
I think you could Sanders is the second best one clearly, and behind Bowers, and I think and, that, and it's that big of a gap. And I think it is a big gap after that. So that would be one where, yeah, I mean, it's another one too, a tight end who's consistent, and it's quarterback's best friend type stuff, right? So I think that those are sneaky, maybe important positions for them. Yeah. Um, the other one is is running back, which uh, we've talked about a little bit uh, on the shows of of there's kind of the flavor for everybody yeah, in this is. draft, mm-hmm. um, and it's kind of at the place that people are taking running backs now. Right, there's so no superstar here. Yeah. yeah, if you're Washington, is there one guy, if, if I tell you, hey, we need a, I'll, I'll be a, I'll be Cliff Kingsbury, mm-hmm. you'll be Adam Peters. I'm yeah. like, hey, Adam, I need a I need a scat back. I need a third right. down kind of guy. I need him to be good in pass protection. I need him to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield and, you know, run it a little bit. Who are, who are some of the guys that you're giving me cut-ups? Oh, man, Bucky Irving from uh, Oregon is one. He's one of my favorites. I think he He's maybe the second back in the class, uh, you know, a little short guy who can move and can pick up. I mean, there's all sorts, and that's what you said earlier. Like, I like guys like Blake Corum, the kid from Michigan, who can probably be any of that. Like, he could be a, he could be a third down guy, your blitz guy. He could be a first down back, and that's it. Like, uh, it's not a great group in terms of anything at the top of the class. Not going to be any guy that's like he's clearly your one. But there's a lot of complimentary backs in this class. A lot of guys that I think would pair well with another good football player. So. Something for everyone is the is the best way to put it, even from a guy like the, the Wisconsin kid, Allen, who's just huge and a tank, all the way down to Bucky, who's like a buck 75 or whatever it is. So there's playmakers all over the place, but they're not high, high level. So I think you can sort of wait maybe on that too. Yeah, I, th- I think then, you know, you flip the sides of the ball. Linebacker is another. I mean, I feel like now we're just going through every position. Like, Washington needs one of those. <laughs> they kind of do. Like, wow, they... Um, Son of a gun. There's a lot. Um, there's definitely a lot of needs. Uh, linebacker, to me, is the, one of the trickiest positions for them, though. Because yeah, it's hard. I would like Jamin Davis to be an impact player for them. Um, you spend a first-round pick on him. Right. you got to kind of make that work. Yeah. yeah right. And it's the last year where you might have to do that. But, like, let's find out. And he's been better traditionally when he has been able to play the will mm-hmm. when he's got a Mike Linebacker next to him. Well, theoretically, the reason that it's happening is because that Mike Linebacker is good at IDing stuff. He can tell yeah. Jamie what to do to to an extent. And are you going to be able to get that out of a rookie? Lions kind of did it last year with Jack Campbell. Um, is there any Jack Campbell-esque kind of guys in this draft? Uh, you know, Maybe. I think that there's some that the school of thought on a lot of them are up and down. Edron Cooper, the kid from Texas A&M, is super athletic and had an awesome senior year and is big. Like, that's the, the thing now with these linebackers in college. There's not many guys that can be the big Mike, the big, like, 245, 250, and get sideline to sideline. He's one. Junior Colson, uh, the kid from Michigan, is another mm. one. Eichenberg from Ohio State. There are actually a couple good ones. Not Jack Campbell level. Like, his difference was is he had a freaky combine he came here and jumped and ran through the roof so i don't think there's anybody that junior colson actually could and cooper could be guys that surprise people with where they go but those are guys that are firm second round picks in my opinion because they're both big 6'3 240 they can run they can cover their smart and there is not many of those left as we know and because college football they don't use them and that's been kind of yeah. thing those guys get moved out of there or they get moved to tight end or something and it's not it's not valued a lot of places that, anymore. That body type, right? Right, yeah. Which makes sense that all of a sudden you're like, Ohio State, Michigan, yeah, uh, but Campbell's the, out of right. like the Big Ten. Bama's got guys. Georgia's got guys. The, the, right. big, the big money schools all have them. But it's hard to find them at like smaller places because they're just they're very rare. Uh, meanwhile, there's a plethora of DBs. Uh, there's a thousand, yeah. yeah so um, <laughs> I, I, like, that's another position with Washington where I just don't know what they're looking for. Like, it's hard. It's, it's going to yeah. depend on what they think of Benjamin St. Juice. Um, it depends on whether they think Quan Martin is a nickel or a safety. And he might mm. be both. 
both. But yeah, like, I think what it's you, both, actually. You, yeah. what you, like, where is his primary spot, and thus what do you need? Mm-hmm. How pri- how much of a priority is it for you to re-sign Kendall Fuller um, right. in That's a new scheme? Yeah. So, like, all those questions there. Is there a particular type of corner, though, that is a strength in this draft slot versus outside? Uh, I think there's a lot of good outside corners in this class uh, in general. This is a good corner class. I think outside is stronger here. There are some good nickels, like a like a Sane Restill or some of these other slot guys. But I'm, for the most part, the guys in the first round, the guys at the top, um, even a guy like Ennis Rakestraw or Lassiter, the guy from Georgia, uh, who will probably slip a little bit because there's some rawness there. Like, they're big-bodied guys who like to hit and will come up and play physical outside. There's a lot of them in this class. And I think because there's so many good quarterbacks and tackles, they're going to get pushed. And so, like, Terry Arnold from Bama, it might be the best defensive player. The best, he's the best defensive back in the class for sure. Maybe a top 10 player, but I don't know if he goes past 15 or 16. You know, he might fall. So, like, I think all those guys could get pushed down. And that's the beauty of corner all the time is, like, you could just wait. And you're going to, like, they got St. Juice, what, third, fourth round, whatever third it was. Round. So I think the second, third round is always a good spot for some of those raw outside corners. And this year there's you know, a guy like Kalen Carson from Wake Forest has got a lot of length uh, that would be down there. But I wouldn't – that's another one where they need so much, and it's like if a guy's sitting there at 40, right. if – They can uh, really live yeah, best player available. Like if draft. Kool-Aid McKinstry falls to the 30s, he might. And he might. Like, yeah. okay, like if you have him as a first-round corner, then do it. Like, you know what I mean? So I think there's there's an ideal way that could go for a team like Washington, but they still need to take the best guy that's on the board there. Final few minutes here with Nick Baumgartner. has been nice enough to join us for a couple segments here on the Hoffman Show. Um, let's let's wrap with this kind of macro thought. Like, you've been doing this. Uh, I mean, you've been covering the NFL mm-hmm. for a long time, college football for a mm-hmm. long time. Um, but since you've been doing the draft stuff and the league has started to shift, you know, we saw like an uptick in running the football last year. You see right. some of these, the defensive schematics are changing, offensive schematics are changing. Like, what's the thing that's most different now in the 2024 draft evaluations compared to when you first started doing this? Well, that's a great question. I think that... The understanding about what you need to put around a quarterback is becoming more to the forefront. I, I heard that a lot today. You know, that uh, Joe Schoen, the Giants, got just peppered about Daniel Jones, right? And they're all fair questions. But the answer that he kept coming back to, and it's right, is like you've got to build around the guy. We can't just ask a kid to come in here and just save us at 22 years old. And, you know, 10 years ago, I, that kind of was a thing. That's kind of what people were still doing. And I feel like that's gone away and you've gotten back to, like you said, there's been an uptick in runs. You know, a lot of teams are building more inside out, which I think is good. And you're starting to see more priority for really good trench players. Like, you know, really yeah. good linemen are not lasting forever anymore. Like, they're going. Like, big big speed is still really where you win in football at any level. And I think that that's still being prioritized where it should be, but even more so because I think these guys just get bigger and faster every year with specialization, and it just gets crazier and crazier. Do you have a theory as to why, like, trench play has the staying power that it does? Like, we're, we're in this incredible schematic, yeah. you know, era of the NFL where these pass concepts are crazy and guys, you can, you know, Kyle and Sean and Kevin are right. scheming guys yeah. open all over the place, yet without a good offensive line, like, you you're can't just, do it. You're yeah. just dead. Why, why is that a thing? Because football is, the, the best part about the game is the physical element of it. And we, there's so many analytic numbers that you can look at that will tell you, like, a play-action pass game is not related to your run game. It doesn't matter if you're a successful run team. The numbers bear it out. But in reality, like, if you have a front that can control a game, the opposition has to deal with that every time. And if you're an uncomfortable team to play against, like we saw that with Detroit, they are they were at a talent disadvantage in a lot of areas, but they're uncomfortable to play against, and they're forcing you to deal with physicality 
all the time, every down, first, second, first, second, and third, any situation. And I think that is the ultimate, like, that'll never go away in football. As long as it's tackle, right? Like, right. that'll never die. And I think that we get too complicated way too much on a lot of stuff. And it, a lot of time it just get back to, do you have a good center? Do you have two good tackles? And can you protect your quarterback? And a lot of times that's kind of all you need. Yeah. No, I, I think it's... Like the stress that physicality puts on a team, exactly. And how You've it got to deal mistakes. with it, right? And it, it, no, it's funny because I'm thinking about something that we talked about with. It's it's the same concept applied to something completely different, but the way we phrased it earlier in the show, we were talking about cap space, and it's like yeah. the negative impact of not having it Correct. is so much bigger than the positive impact of, of having, having it. it. Yeah, and like yep. the negative well impact of having or not having a, a good offensive line, line yeah. is it's, so dramatic yeah. compared to like as long as you have a good one. You're, you're good. Yep. If you have a great one, like it can be advantageous, but that's not as big of an advantage as the disadvantage of having a really bad one. You have to have a functional one. And right. if you don't, like if you have a great one, it can make up for areas in other places on your team where right. you're maybe less than. But if you have a bad one, you're never going anywhere. Right. You can't, it's, it's the first yes. thing you right. can't overcome. No one will respect anything you do. Like there's just, and that's really the end all be all. Like you're trying to force people to be uncomfortable and make decisions in the moment. And when you're pounding on them like that, it gets harder and harder. And I think that's. And Still that's why we're taking Joe Alda yeah. too. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, hey, well, yeah. <laughs> they're probably our worst that would make ideas. People mad, but they're yeah. probably our worst ideas. I don't know that it's the best idea. I don't know that's an optimization. Not this year. Not this year. Uh, not this say, year. Yeah. Uh, Nick Baumgartner in the Athletic. Uh, this was great. Yes, it's the first time that we've met, and it and it's not going to be the last time he's right, on the show anytime, as long yeah. as he agrees to it. Uh, when we get back, Matt Miller from ESPN joins us. We're live on Radio Row in Indianapolis on the Hoffman Show. It's the Hoffman Show. We're on the Team 980, always live as well on the free Odyssey app and streaming live on YouTube at the Team 980, where you see the very well-dressed Matt Miller from ESPN with us. <laughs> I, man, I will be in a T-shirt and, and joggers as soon as possible, but I appreciate it. My wife picked us out. So oh, she did a great I'll give job. give her a shout-out. Excellent. Well, you are, you are on television now. Yeah, it's a different game. You know, you got to always be ready. Do you so. miss the days of just being like, no, I'm a, I'm a blogger who puts out a massive draft guide and, and I occasionally would do some podcasts? I'll be very honest with you. I miss the ability to like go out until four in the morning at these events and then like not <laughs> have to wake up and be on TV the next day because like there's so much good information that happens yeah. once you get, you know, some drinks flowing at night and that's when everybody likes to talk and you can, you know, some of my lifelong friends I've met at like the JW, you know, high sure. velocity at three in the morning, um, you know, that has changed a little bit. I, I do miss it, but I'm very, very grateful for, you know, the opportunities. And they now. probably still call you now that you're, you're, you've got the fancy suit. So that helps. And that's because your wife picked it it's out. It's the she did a great four job. letters after your name. Yeah, really I've heard those are good things. for you. Yeah, I've heard those helps. are good for you. All right. Uh, Matt, of course, uh, ESPN NFL draft analyst. Um, and you, like everyone else that has been on my show today that does mock drafts, all of a sudden has Drake May going number two to Washington. Now, when we talked yeah. in December, it's completely different uh, kind of yeah. Setup because they hadn't fired Rivera yet. Nevertheless, hired DQ and, and Cliff Kingsbury. We didn't know they were going to be at the number two pick at the time. I think you were you were mocking them, Jaden Daniels, at like three or four. Yep. Um, but why ultimately? As of now, going into Combine Week, and I think your last mock actually was coming out of Super Bowl. Yeah. I, um, I, yeah. What what makes you think Drake May is the right fit? So I have good news for you. If I were to redo that mock draft today, I would not have Drake May there. Oh, well, Because okay. of the Cliff Kingsbury hire. And I know, okay. I, I'm sure a lot of people have said to you, like, no, Cliff and Drake, sure they Air could raid, work together. Yeah. But, man, I, I look at, I remember Cliff getting hired by the Arizona Cardinals, which was a shock of a move, right? Right. 
and he put he put his job on the line to to draft Kyler Murray first overall one year after they had traded up to draft Josh Rosen, and so I look at Kyler and think like that's just a that's a tall Jaden Daniels you know Kyler is a lot like Kyler Murray yeah. so I think that running element is really important to Cliff now obviously Drake is a good mover as well but if I were doing a mock draft today I would put Jaden Daniels there I'm a I'm an enormous Jaden Daniels fan he's my number five overall player he's my number two quarterback put a big old grade on him when we did our scouting reports I don't know that the commanders can go wrong with either guy but but I I think Jaden is is the better quarterback prospect so I wound up diving into Drake a bunch today because a bunch of people like Drake yeah. better. So let's dive into Jaden because I think he's a fascinating fit with Washington because he does the thing well and has done a lot of it that I think a lot of quarterbacks in the NFL are scared of and that Cliff Kingsbury likes to do a lot. He throws outside the numbers. All now, the time. he has two studs at LSU that make yeah. that a lot easier. But how does that translate when you're because everyone talks about, oh, he doesn't throw over the middle a ton. When you look at it, his kind of uh, in basketball we call it a shot diet, his throw diet. Yeah. How do you try to translate that to the NFL level? Well, I think that's where you know. Okay, so he's the best deep ball thrower in this draft. Whether yeah. you mean like that statistically, he is, or just me and you watching football, I would say, oh, it's the best deep ball thrower in the draft. The NFL right now is trying to take that away with split safeties and everything's over the top. So I think what Jaden does well to beat that is he throws on time really, really well. That's how he had the success as a deep ball thrower. It's not just, you know, one, two, three, throw it to Brian Thomas and Malik Neighbors. It's being able to layer the ball. And you can do that intermediately just as well as you can do it on a deep pass. I think, you know, you talk about a shot diet, break it down into your tiers, you know, 20 plus, 11 to 20, you know, 5 to 11. Like he's, he's one of the best at every one of those. And so, I, I, you know, talked to an NFL general manager last week. That's what he said. He was like, man, we want to attack the perimeter. That's where the game is going. We need to attack the perimeter and then have the weapons who can create. And the commanders have those weapons. You have, you have Terry McLaurin. You have Jahan Dodson. You just need the guy who can layer the ball in there and give those players room to run. If you watch Jaden Daniels throw to Malik Neighbors, that's what they did consistently. Matt Miller, ESPN, is with us. So coming up at 6 o'clock, we have a roundtable discussion that we recorded earlier in the day with uh, your colleague, Brooke Pryor, and Ben Solak. And Ben uh, brought this really cool kind of discussion point to our roundtable about the power of the scramble and why it is quickly amongst the people that are paying attention to the kind of underlying analytics, one of the most valuable things in the sport. The scramble is arguably more valuable than any other type of play a quarterback can make. Yeah. Um, how does that one has that played into how you evaluate and two what does that tell you about these top three quarterbacks which all have some scramble ability yeah it has man I call it the Mahomes rule and I know the Raiders have theirs mine's very different um, because <laughs> mine is that dude changed how I evaluate quarterbacks when Mahomes came out in 2017 it was like he has a you know there wasn't even no one even said off schedule like that wasn't even a thing yet in 2017. So with Mahomes, it's he's changed that, and now you have to be able to play off schedule, which is what Ben is talking about, and you have to be able to do things like Patrick did on that. You know, was it third or third down play in the Super Bowl where it's like, oh wait, there's a gap. I'm going to go get eight, nine yards, and we're going to win the game. You have to have that, and so I think that's where you, you know, from Patrick on, and now we have in this draft. I, the, the first five quarterbacks who are going to be drafted can all move and can all extend plays and create. And so, yeah, it is. It has absolutely changed how I evaluate. You know, it used to be 
pocket quarterbacks. You know, it's can you one, two, three, throw, one, two, three, four, five, throw. Um, now it's okay. Well, when the first option's not there, can you keep things going? Because offensive line play has gotten so bad, you have to have that guy that can move around and create on his own. Otherwise, you're a sitting duck back there. So, offensive line used to be one of the easier evaluations. How hard has it become as you have these non NFL offenses that have played yeah, college football? It's really, really difficult unless you watch like Notre Dame or Michigan because it's everything's RPO. Everything's get the ball out to the perimeter and we're going to find a college corner who can't tackle and we're just going to throw at him on slip screens all the time, right? Uh, so, it's made it tough because not a lot of guys are doing, you know, what analytically you would say like a true pass block set. There's not a lot of that anymore. So it does make it difficult, but I think it's why, you know, Notre Dame's Joe Alt, Penn State's Olu Fashanu, uh, Oregon State's Talise Fuaga. That's why they're being elevated as prospects because, oh yeah, we've seen you do it. You know, we know exactly what we're getting. It's not as much of a projection, which is where, you know, you get into like a Mackay Becton situation of, oh wow, this guy moves really well and he's violent and aggressive, but the things he's doing aren't really what we're doing in the NFL. This just sparked a whole separate thought in my head, so I'm going to ask you about it as a guy who does this year-round. Do you spend part of your year then going back and being like, all right, I now have four years worth of the, what are we in, 2024? Oh, my God. Yeah. Is, Matt, do you know it's 2024? That is bizarre. Uh, the 2020 draft class, we have four years of them. I want to go back and watch the college tape and see what they became as pros and like try to figure out what dots are connecting or not connecting. Yeah. And how is, like, are there any positions where that is becoming easier or harder as the, the game changes? You have to self-scout. And especially, you know, I work with a lot of amazing people at ESPN, but you're still a one-man or one-person scouting department. So you want to get better. You want to see if there are holes in your game. Just like with the Mahomes stuff the game changes you have to stay on top of that and so yeah i mean i think you always want to or when you see a guy become an all pro in the nfl you go back and like okay where did i have him ranked or what do my scouting reports say about him because sometimes that's more important you know to go back and read the scouting report and say like okay yeah i feel pretty good about that or yeah oh man like why maybe maybe i had it all there i just emphasized the wrong part absolutely and so yeah i think that's a really really important part of it especially as the game changes in the nfl is to stay on top of that is big um, all right, back to this year's draft. If you are the Commanders and you have pick thirty six and forty, are there a play? Is there a player, a pair of players that you're like, please God, let them fall. Yeah, let them be there. I think so. Let's. You're going quarterback at two. I, okay. I think at thirty six and forty, I'm looking at offensive line, like mm-hmm. a guy like Graham Barton from Duke, who could probably play inside day one, be a really really good player on the inside. But I think like what's getting slept on with Washington is you traded your two first round pass rushers, and you yeah. can make an argument like, well, it's not being slept on in okay, Washington. Okay, good. Yeah. Shouldn't be. I think nationally it's been slept on. Yeah. And so I look like Chop Robinson from Penn State, who's going to test so, so well here. And I think fits what Dan Quinn wants to do, you know, with some of that outside speed, put him in a seven or a nine technique and just let him go get the quarterback. Uh, so I, I think defensive end is something where it's we're going to have some talent in round two, but I think that's a must get with one of those second round picks. You think Darius Robinson falls that far? No. Sorry. I would be great, <laughs> man. Uh, the Senior Bowl ended that. I grim- yeah. At the Senior Bowl, Daniel Jeremiah and I were talking before the first practice, and he's like, "Oh, hey, yeah, like you're a Missouri guy. Where do you have Darius Robinson?" And I was like, "I think I have him at like 40." And he was like, "Yeah, I have him at like 32." And now it's like, "Yeah, nope, he's not going to be there yeah, for either of those." 
seems to be moving way on up. Everyone fell in love with uh, him at the Senior Bowl, and that's that's yeah. bad because that includes, I think, a lot of us in D.C. All right, I will wrap up with this, uh, the, the same question that I asked uh, your colleague Jordan Reed earlier. Who is your absolute, forget where they're going to get drafted, forget the, the value, whatever. Who's your favorite player in this draft? Oh, man, Roma Dunze is, like, the guy that I can just watch over and over again. He's going to get drafted early. So, you know, Junior Colson, the linebacker from Michigan, and I don't even consider, I'm not, like, a big linebacker guy. I just love the way he plays. Like, And he's got, like, a cast on one hand, and he's still, like, running down <laughs> making plays. So those are the two guys that you kind of forget your scouting sometimes, and you just become a fan again, and you just watch them because they're, they're so much fun to watch. Yeah, Colson's a guy that I think could be interesting for Washington in a later round. So um, right. he's a name that's come up actually a couple times today. Uh, Matt Miller, you can watch him on all of ESPN's draft coverage, which is plentiful not only from here in Indianapolis for the scouting combine, but all the way leading up to the draft in April. Are you wh- What days are you on the desk this year? Uh, day three. I've, okay. You know, it, that's two months away, but I know, I know day, no day three. three. Uh, I'm studying. I'm preparing. You're taking for, it day by day? Yeah. I mean, that's like 160 players that you got to be ready for, so yeah. hydrating. That's good. Getting the vocal cords ready. I, uh, I took a week off last week because I needed it, and I did my first show back yesterday and i forgot that you actually like build up the muscle of talking that yeah. much did a terrible job of hydrating also bad today so i think we go take a sip of water you should yeah i gotta go uh, find same. some water somewhere Absolutely. you have a water bottle i'm gonna yeah. go find one it's matt miller everybody with us here on the hoffman show it's the hoffman show we're on the team 980 always live as well on the free odyssey app uh we are live in indianapolis at the nfl scouting combine thanks again to nick bumgardner and matt miller for joining us mitch tischler's popped over from the uh, nbc sports table behind us the monumental sports table behind us uh and is is now with us of course the Bellway football podcast they are recording that podcast in like 10 minutes uh so i can preview your podcast here on the radio uh what's you you were uh here for for quinn and for peters what's the most interesting thing you've heard from someone in a commander's quarter zip today I think the most important thing we heard today was uh, Adam Peters talking about free agency and what they were going to do in free agency and how essentially he's talked every time that we've talked to him about wanting to build for the future and wanting to build, you know, to, to build a winning team and that this offseason isn't the time that he's necessarily going to dive in and, and spend a lot of money. So um, to me, I thought that was kind of the most important thing to steal a, a Ronism. I think the most Careful. interesting. I know, I know. The most interesting thing was Dan Quinn revealing he knows exactly the number of days it's been since he was fired from the <laughs> Atlanta that. Falcons. One thousand two hundred and thirty-four days. It is easy to remember if you've seen it written because it's just one, two, three, four. Exactly. But if you don't think that that's been driving him and that's been you know weighing on him and he's he wants to make a a wrong a right, you know, you're I think you're reading it the wrong way. And and I. I there's a lot that I've heard from Dan Quinn that I've liked. I, I appreciate his passion. I appreciate the depth with which he answers questions. But I think it all kind of turns back to, you know, how poorly things ended in Atlanta, and he wants to turn that around. I think the newsiest item, item of today is, like, they just have flat out said, no, we're not franchising Cam Curl. Um, and, well, I don't think that's unexpected. Like, there's, it still was floating out there. And there was a little piece of me that I, when the cap came out that I was like, Maybe. they got the money. Like, what else are they going to spend it on? Um, like, do you think ultimately Cam Curl winds up back in D.C.? Or do you think that they're kind of slow playing the message? Oh, we're talking to him. We'll see. Because they actually would like to move on and maybe even spend money on a different safety. 
I, it's it'll be interesting to see. Um, he, uh, Cam Curl's one player that Dan Quinn brought up specifically that he's watched kind of grow through his his time in Washington, and talked about you know the passion with which he plays the game and the enthusiasm and the leadership and all those different things. But at the end of the day, it turns back to numbers, right? It turns back to stats. It turns back to you know what you do on the field and. We're three years removed from Cam Curl's last interception on a football field, and that's not a great stat for a safety that we're that, that might be looking for a seventeen million dollar payday. Well, that's the thing is like th- this is a good free agent safety market, and I'm not opposed to spending for a safety. I just I would like one with a little bit more ball production, and there's there's those ob- like I would pay eighteen million for a guy that's better than sixteen million dollars for Curl, considering what he's been. The other thing too with with what I. Like there, there's just like a couple of things around the current roster, about the quarterbacks, about you know the draft class, whatever that we're not going to know until it happens. Then we'll be like, oh well, they made that decision. We kind of know what they think now. Um, but one of the big ones for me is like, what do they think of Quan? Is he a nickel? Is he a safety? And I don't know how he fits in, and I do wonder how big of a role that plays into it. And then obviously there's the trickle down of like, do you resign Cam? Do you resign Kendall? Like it, it, it all plays into one another. Yeah, Dan Quinn actually talked about Quan Martin specifically. Um, I believe it was a Ben Standick question. The best and, kind of questions. Yeah, of course. And he talked about how he liked the fact that he can play nickel and can play safety and how guys who can play multiple multiple positions jump out to him on tape. Now, one of my biggest issues with Ron was of the course. position flex talk because I think he did a disservice to a lot of young guys as they were trying to develop because they were learn, trying to learn too much at one time. So if they do think of Quan as this dual threat type player, I wonder how they're able to, you know, focus the teaching to him so that he's able to play freely on the field and not be thinking about what he's doing. And that's going to be a big thing for Quan because we saw it with Percy Butler. We saw it with Derek Forrest. We saw it with all these young DBs or secondary guys, you know, not playing free. They're out there thinking about what they're supposed to do, thinking what their first step, their read steps are going to be, thinking about who, who the keys are. And that's what happens when you learn free safety, strong safety, nickel, you know, uh, Buffalo nickel, all these different things that, that the that the Rivera JDR, JDR defense, you know, relied on. And so uh, it's going to be a big part of, of what uh, Joe Witt Jr. is going to bring to the table and, uh, and, and Simmons and all the rest of the, the, the guys who are going to help out with that secondary because there are a lot of young players back there who are going to have to improve quickly. Yeah, no doubt about it. But I think unlike years past, we look at the people coaching the secondary and we're like, oh, I'm good at this. That's well, that's nice. More so, they're good at it, but there's layers to them. And that's right. what I like about both offense and defense with this team is that you have layers. It's not just reliant on one coach to figure out how to how to make the safeties work or one coach to figure out how to make the linebackers work. You know, you have Kerrigan, Kerrigan and you have Ken Norton. You know, you're, you're, you have a bunch of different guys who can help teach these guys. And it's one of the things, you know, when, when Joe was talking to Joe, what Junior was talking to us about, you know, learning in different manners and different, you know, different ways of going about of understanding what a coaching staff wants from you. I think having different voices there that can help kind of cater the message to the player is a big deal. And it's not something that the Washington coaching staff had under Ron Rivera because each coach, there was only one guy doing each job and there was very little overlap. Right, yeah, it didn't seem like they were on the same. And, like, the coaches amongst themselves, forget overlap, they weren't talking to each other at all, well, it seemed like. And there was accountability issues. a whole issues other and, set of issues. Yeah, that was uh, not good. Wait, why do we keep bringing up what, what happened, Mitch? I know I know it's it's why we can, we like, the comparison is ultimately good, but it just brings pain. Why do we why are we doing no, this to ourselves? I think it makes me feel better. It makes you feel, the, okay. The pain is behind me. Hope, yes. Knock on wood. Yes, knock on, <laughs> knock on this very plastic table. Yes. Hopefully, hopefully the errors of, of, of yesteryear are behind us. 
us, and we can we can look at a professionally run football team with a professional set of coaches who are doing things the right I way. I do always kind of chuckle. Mitch Tischler, of course, uh, the Beltway Football Podcast with us here on the Hoffman Show. I do always kind of chuckle that sometimes uh, media members – and sometimes I do think it's intentional, and I've been guilty of this at times. But it's like they're trying to do things every in every way the opposite of Ron Rivera. And it's like, no, they're just trying to do things right and professionally. And that happens to be the opposite of how many things were done the last four years. And um, that explains a lot about the last four years and, and hopefully does give us hope uh, moving forward. It's not some kind of pot shot. It's not a calculated thing other than like, hey, we're going to do things right now. Right is is cool. Um, speaking of the changing of the guard, I, I, I know you haven't been here that long, uh, slightly longer than I have of, what are we, we're at almost 6 o'clock, I landed at noon. Um, I landed at uh, 8.15 this morning. Okay, so, so but, but I, I've seen you walking around a little bit uh, in, in the last couple of hours. Like, when people see you this year here and know that you cover Washington compared to previous years, like, are they already saying different stuff? Oh, absolutely. I mean, in years past, people would come up and be like, is this really happening or did that really happen or are you guys really dealing with x y or z and now it's man you know dan quinn is i kind of felt a little uninspired not me people are telling me i felt a little uninspired by the dan quinn hire but as i talk to people around the league nobody has a bad word to say about him and people are impressed with you know obviously adam peters and what he did in san francisco you know what the biggest thing is we're all talking ball we're talking yeah. football, which is my favorite thing in the world to talk about. And none of us got into this, you know, business to talk about everything else that we've had to talk about for the past, you know, 10 to 20 years or whatever it may be. And and I think uh, around here, around NFL circles, people are excited to talk about what are they going to do at number two? How are they going to improve this offense? What's the timeline for this turnaround? All these different things. And, and to me, that's 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 music to my ears. Uh, let's finish them with the most uh, Mitchell Tischler of ball questions, which is... Offensive line. Yeah. Let's go. Well, especially, here's what I want to ask it with, with some timeliness attached is, you know, Peter says, like, we're, we're not looking to spend, like, huge money in free agency. I don't know that there is a ton of money in free agency to be spent on this O-line class. Like, there's not a bunch of studs. Now, there might be some more. Guys get cut in the next couple of weeks, caps, you know, casualties, whatever. But, like, do you... What like is there anybody that you've got circled or at least conceptually that you're like I really think they need to spend here offensive line versus addressing certain positions or certain parts of the line in the draft? I, I, yeah, I think they need to they need to address uh, center. Um, I really? think Ricky Stromberg has some traits that can work out, but if you are giving me a rookie quarterback at the number two pick, I don't want a center that is essentially a rookie, which, you know, unfortunately yeah. for Ricky, between the injury and his time working at guard, he's basically a rookie center coming in. I want somebody who has a little bit of a more veteran presence. And, you know, I know how the fan base thinks about Nick Gates, and I, he did not have a good year last year, but don't forget, Bobby Johnson was in uh, New York with him. The two of them worked with the, off- the new offensive line coach. The two of them have worked together. I, I would like for them to bring in an upgrade, an upgrade there, yeah. somebody with a little bit of experience. But yeah, the me- thing is with Nick Gates in New York is he wasn't particularly good. No, I, listen, I, I, there wasn't a lot of good in, in of the New York offensive line. Forget no. last year, the year before, that offensive line has been bad for years. Yeah, um, um, they've also been banged up to, like crazy. Yeah, uh, for a long time. So that probably doesn't help. But yeah, there's that was definitely I think the the one where everyone kind of turned their heads and were like, wait, what? 
Um, I get why they made that hire. Some of the the very specific things that he brings from like a skill schematic standpoint um, on some of the quarterback run and things like that. But um, definitely, definitely hoping that uh, the results are better than the O line results in New York the last couple of years since he's been there. Definitely, and the, uh, the biggest thing that I'm going to take away from this weekend, and I believed it before I got here, but either pick 36 or pick 40, or you package the two of them to get up to 22 if you need to per se needs to be a tackle they they need to draft a tackle that they can hopefully develop into you know your chris samuels your trent williams your your 10-year starter that you can kind of set set it and forget it which would be nice uh, or you could just stay at 36 or 40 and wind up with the paul brothers on the left side of your line wonderful yeah uh, jordan jordan morgan is the guy that i that i've been that's your guy keying on at uh, at either 36 or 40 the tackle from uh arizona i like a lot of what i've seen from him uh you know, in, in cut ups on him, and uh, I think he has a lot of room to grow and can be can be a dominant force. I do think the trade up thing could be interesting. A guy like Tyler Guyton, maybe out of Oklahoma, yeah. like that could be an interesting one to watch uh, if they ultimately move up. Uh, Mitch Tischler, Beltway Football Podcast. There's going to be a new one very soon, I know, because they're going to go record it right now. Uh, up next here on the Hoffman Show, a little earlier today, we did something that uh, was very, very cool, actually, something that we hope to become a tradition. We did our first ever NFL Combine reporter roundtable. So it was me, Brooke Pryor, and Ben. Solak, and we all picked a topic and just chopped it up and talked ball for like 30 minutes. And uh, you're going to hear that on the radio next.